episode 103 yeah we're getting old 103 here of the Cherokee Rewind I am so glad you're able to join us my name is Mick as you well know this time around we're gonna go back and cover a few years here uh, back around the turn of the century and this guy was a part of uh, he was a part of a lot you know the national championship <laughs> team as a young kid uh didn't play a lot grew up basically in front of the eyes of of the tam o'shanner you know i mean at at tam o'shanner growing up uh uh played i think uh, i'll ask here in a little bit i i remember him number seven i uh, played for toledo his name is adam fish and i i tell you what adam it's you know i was trying to remember you know again you're you know i always try to remember jersey numbers and yours was pretty easy and again that a lot of it has to do with the farther back i go the better i am with jersey numbers and especially the championship team because you know that's the championship team so you always remember that but uh the thing i remember too you played primarily defense didn't you or did you play up front i can't remember well, first of all, Mick, thanks for having me. Uh, this is an awesome thing that you do. I'll probably say that a couple times here, uh, yeah, no here today. And uh, yeah, number seven, uh, that was kind of my number for, for all three years. I know we'll probably dive into all three. And yeah, you know, I kind of bounced around uh, that, that first year, the, the championship year uh, was, was mostly forward and, and playing center um i did find some old documents uh in a hockey folder and yeah you know i was about a, every other game player uh i was second youngest uh brandon meisner was one year younger than me and uh was basically a center that first year and and the cool thing was you know they had they, they, these awesome stats that the the cherokees used to give me and uh i was you know 70 percent the majority of the draws but uh but yeah I, I loved playing center that first year and then for the the next couple of years like i said i know we'll dive into them but uh it was kind of wherever wherever coach needed me i mean i could play either um but yeah it was uh it was one heck of a ride i know we'll probably talk a lot about the national championship team but uh yeah it was definitely a good three years in toledo that i'll never forget yeah um tell me first off uh talk about let's talk a little bit here about the start for adam fish uh you're born if i'm trying to remember was it elkhart indiana yep yep elkhart indiana yep just east of south bend right near notre dame about 20 miles east of there um my dad was all my dad my dad grew up in hockey and uh kind of got me involved um he coached me all the way up through um till like uh, i was 14 ish uh, started playing high school uh, my sophomore year in South Bend. Didn't uh, didn't go as quiet as I, I thought it would, and uh, it was a little little bit different. And so then my junior year, I left and played midget AAA. Uh, my first time leaving away from home at 16, I played in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for a, a team called the Pettit National Selects. I don't know if they're even around anymore. Right in Milwaukee. Uh, had a housing family, uh, went to uh, high school out there. That was very, very, very different. 
And then um, my dad was involved at the Tamil Shanner in the uh, uh, the USA uh, tryouts they have for, for the Mid-Am District. And that's where Scott Searing was a big part of that, those tryouts. And uh, then my dad said, well, why do, you should try out for the Toledo Cherokee. And I had no idea going into those tryouts for the Cherokee that what had happened the year before until i got on the team i'm the second youngest and then you know you got a guy i know we'll talk a lot of different guys on that year but a guy like john avick um that was just uh just i i don't even know the words to describe his leadership just was uh i don't even know the word but uh for those guys to come back the next year and do and kind of set out you know hey we we got runner up the year before Hey guys, you know, let's, let's really, let's, let's work hard. And, uh, you know, just the dry land training that I can remember, uh, was just out of this world, like nothing I had ever seen before. It was pretty eye opening for me, but I was, I was straight out of midgets and just, just taking it all in from all these guys. It was just so different back then. It was just so, so different. Um, but it was, like I said, it was a, it was a great ride. Yeah. So, um, so when you first started, uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to, you know, still think about hockey in Indiana, you know, I mean, obviously on a professional level, you had the minor league teams, obviously with the Fort Wayne Comets, um, did, I mean, were there more, especially in Elkhart being there by Notre Dame, um, which I'm still jealous of because uh, I'm an, I grew up an Irish Buckeye. Um, so, you know, that's, I, 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 I grew up, I watched the Buckeyes on Saturday. And then if we couldn't get a Notre Dame game, we'd watch the Sunday morning Notre Dame replays with uh, Lindsey Nelson and Paul Orning. They were like the, it was like the Irish game in 60 minutes, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah, A lot of, not a lot of hockey around here. Uh, That's why I said, uh, you know, my sophomore year, I, uh, I played one year of high school and I was like, man, I think I can just get more out of myself. And we looked around for midget teams, nothing really that close to here. And they, uh, they had a team in Milwaukee and I went out there and I got on there. Um, you know, I was an assistant captain and I felt that that was kind of my calling and the season was okay. Um, and then, like I said, that very net, that summer, I went out and, uh, tried out for this team called the Toledo Cherokee that I had never heard of. And <laughs> now just real quick, yeah. before we go uh, into Toledo, I want to talk a little bit about Milwaukee. I mean, you, you're an assistant captain. Uh, what, uh, what was it like for you being that your it's your first year away from home, uh, going to a high school where, you know, nobody, uh, it yep, had to yep. be, uh, an interesting, an interesting transition for you. Do you remember anything as far as, uh, how did you fit in? How did you, you know, both on the ice and in high school? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, right? Like I'm 17. Uh, I remember my mom like bawling her eyes out when I left and uh, you know, her, her, her only son leaving away from home. And yeah, it was, it was very tough. It was very tough. You had to be very outgoing um, and to learn. I mean, I was coming from a school that we had 400 here in Indiana and I went to a school with about 2000 kids and it was very, very eye-opening. Uh, you know, you go to the lunchroom, you know, nobody, 
Um, same with the kids that you're, you're getting ready to play uh, hockey with. You know nobody. I lived with a kid, and I went to his high school, and he played on our team, uh, or my the team that in Milwaukee, and I uh, tried to meet his friends. And so it was very, very tough. But that made me a little, little, little easier that next year when I came to Toledo, um, and they said, "Hey, we're going to put you in a house uh, with a with a housing family." Um, but that that first year, so I would have been my senior year. I had just turned eighteen, again, second youngest on the team. So I had to finish high school. So I went to uh, Adrian High School, which is kind of right near the border there. A mm-hmm. uh, lot of stories about uh, trying to get to practice that I can remember because practices back then were, I want to say, Tuesday and Wednesday at like four o'clock. Okay. So yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if you, I don't know if any of the other guys had mentioned that, but you know, you get out of school at say three, three fifteen. And you got to go a half an hour to practice. You're getting there 15 minutes before practices. And then Thursdays were Thursday night practices. So those weren't too awfully bad. But um, going into a school, uh, Adrian High School, my senior year, I was a little, I had been used to it. Adrian High School is very big. Probably got another, like 2000, like the year before. So I was used to that. I didn't know anybody that year. I lived with a lady. Uh, she was actually a teacher at the school. Mm-hmm. on the Cherokee like I did the year before Milwaukee so that was but I was used to it so um so that that was uh, that was my senior year and uh and that was the year of the uh the good old national championship run that we had which was amazing well uh let's talk here about uh what it was like for you to you know come into Toledo the the tryout process uh i want to talk a little bit here about what it was like when you first when you first came in uh and you said you knew nobody uh you know your second youngest kid on the team you and you and mize of course meisner was probably also he was the shortest guy on the team uh that guy cracked me up he he was five foot nothing uh, to quote Rudy, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. But that kid played like a beast, especially in the corners. He was fearless and played yep. like he played like a maniac and got under kids' skin and would draw penalties. Oh man, that kid, we was so good at that. And I mean, he was just the most unassuming kid when you saw him off the ice. You're like, he's a hockey player? But he yeah. was a doggone yeah. good one. Yep. Yep. No, we, we, we're the second two youngest. So we kind of, I don't, I don't, I don't remember us sticking together, but I was just kind of taking it all in. Like I said, I was about an every other game player. Um, you know, that first year I maybe had 10 goals, maybe 10 assists. Um, and looking at the stats, I had two fights. Do I remember them both? No, I remember one. I remember a guy bud ending me in the ear, uh, for motor city. And he started skating away and I slashed him in the back of the legs and he turned around and dropped his gloves and my mouth about hit the floor and I go, (laughs) Oh no. And we, that, that's all I remember. I remember wearing a necklace and it was all over the ice Um, to say, I mean, I probably got in two fights a year. If that I was more of the finesse guy rather than the, uh, the fighter, but we had plenty of those on, uh, 
on that 97 98 team um for sure for sure brad coom was just the name that i remember um i mean uh, a guy like and andy Thiessen, uh he i think he led the team in penalty minutes um so we i mean but were we were we the team that always fought no but back then it was different where when you got up by five or six goals that year, which we always did, we only lost two or three games. And, uh, you know, if here comes the third period, why not fight? You only got an EJ back then. You only got thrown out for that game. Mm-hmm. So why not? So it was just, it's just different times. Now it's all different. Right. So, Oh yeah. Now, my God, you got to go in front of a tribunal or something, you know, it's like, it, it, it contribute, it like make contrition. You know, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, that's <laughs> how the game has changed, man. Of right. Course, right. You know, with the, with the advent of the internet, that's what makes it so that's what, you know, that's why it's so, you know, like, Oh my gosh, he looked at me up oh, penalty, you know, kind of crap like yeah. that. But now when you yep. played there, um, do you remember, like, were you nervous, like anxious kind of, you know, what am I doing here? Uh, type of uh, feelings at all. How long did it take you to, to kind of settle in to your role and what you were doing when you were playing with Toledo? Yeah, that, you know, I played there for, uh, it had been three seasons. Uh, I guess you'd call it 98, 99 and 2000. Um, you know, that first year, like I've said here a couple times, it was just, you know, second youngest, just kind of watching everybody, every other game player playing center. You know, I always tried to win the draw because I was actually pretty good at winning draws. So, I mean, if that's your part, do your part. Um, probably fourth line player, third line, maybe some nights, but probably all fourth line that year at center. Um, so yeah, nervous, I would say, yeah, a little bit, but, um, you had senior guys, right. That had all been there before. And, 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 you know, like I said, John Avink was, was, was he the best player on that team? Absolutely not. Um, but was he the most inspirational and was he the captain? Absolutely. Look at what he does now, right. He's an inch, like he's a, he's a speaker. So, I mean, it, it kind of fits, right. But, um, some of the, some of the better player, I mean, Neil price sticks out, right. Oh, yeah. Won all the national championships, uh, in college. Uh, I don't even know who led the team. I, I probably have that here on this stat sheet, but, um, you mean Kalamire was up there, uh, Lahovi, Marshawn. Um, so you had a lot of guys, uh, on that team and it was just, it was just an effort by everybody. And, uh, I know I listened to one of these, uh, uh, Kalamire, uh, the character he is. And uh, I think I listened to his whole podcast and I'm surprised of a story that did not come up of the water bottle incident. Has that come up on any podcast? I, I think it depends though. I know we've talked about it a couple times uh, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Was it the one where they threw it and it hit the general manager, Mike Robertson? <laughs> No, I, I don't remember that one. I remember. So if you didn't want to take, if you were the defenseman of the other team in front of our bench, you never wanted to be on the bench side because you would get a squirt from somebody on the bench from, uh, from the water bottle. That was the first incident that I remember us doing a lot. And then there's an incident where we're at Tamil, we're up big and I probably play in motor city and I, 
I'm still involved in hockey now, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah. But this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Mike Kalemeyer scores, turns around to the goalie, and drinks his water bottle, and all heck breaks loose. Yep. Uh, yes, we did talk about that. I think uh, – uh, oh, gosh. He okay. played on the, the year before he played. I think uh, Steve Litke, I think, was the guy that told me about that with Kellemeyer, but, um, you know, okay. it was, um, yeah. but we talked about, a, well, of course, Kelly played, you know, four years there, you, you know, as a, um, overager. So he was, uh, right. He, right. He, yeah, he, he did a lot of crazy stuff, but yeah, yeah. We did talk a couple times about that because the year before you got there, you know, again, he was, uh, goofball extraordinaire, but he played on a team that was like that, just like the 98 team was, uh, the 97 team was probably even crazier. You know, they had Rob Kroll on there. And Crowley, uh, of course, during the in the third period of Old Cup, where they're they're literally like not winning and they're trying to catch up, and they had to win that game just to make it to the national tournament, and which was being held in Toledo that year. And he goes over there and does the slap shot, where he goes across the uh, the Motor City bench. And this is in Herster Cup or Gold Cup back then, uh, not uh, not during a regular season game. He goes across the bench with his stick and catches everybody <laughs> in the head as he goes by, you know, and just uh, you know that's that was them. They they had that personality, and at the '98. And I always said this, Adam, and I believe this to be true. The '98 championship team, as great as they are, and they were, and they were great, no question. I believe, however, that I thought that the 97 team, uh, I think that was a more talented team. Now, you wouldn't know this because you weren't there, but I'm just saying they were actually a more talented team. But what made the 98 team so special was the chemistry. You know what I mean? Yeah. You look either side of you, you knew you had your brother and you had his back and he had yours. And the even if you didn't always like each other, you know, brothers love each other, but sometimes brothers fight. You know, that's just how it is. And the idea that you will go and do what you need to do to get it done and not, you know, you know, in other words, you row in the boat in the same direction, to quote one DJ Fleck. Uh, but it's it's fun to it's fun to know that you can do that stuff. And know that it will, uh, the chemistry will take you a long way in how you do things. And of course, team chemistry is a big thing when it comes to try and contend for a national championship, let alone winning it. Uh, that, I mean, that had to be, that was a big part of your guys' success, was it not? I agree. I agree. Um, you know, we're, we're probably going to talk a lot about John Avink, like like I have, but I mean, just the chemistry. I remember, you know, the dry land trainings, like I said, were just, just, it was just insane how all these guys just, we, we had a common goal and that, that goal that year was to win it all. And, uh, you know, the, the, the leadership team of the team was like, hey, we were here before you know, we got one, basically one game away or one shot away from winning, winning the whole thing. Like we can do this again. And that's where I kind of just, uh, 
you know, got on the uh, got on the wagon there, and just all these all these leaders. Um, everybody was kind of their own little leader, um, but with with John Avink kind of leading the way was just uh, an unreal thing. Um, I can't say it on here, but um, some of those guys that year, there was an F, a T, and an A on their sticks, an FTA. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say what that meant, but it was kind of that mentality of just do anything at any cost to win. And that's what that FTA stood for. So, well, I was going to say it probably stood for, you know, F uh, the a holes, I'm guessing. Uh, F them all. Yes. Yep. Close enough. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I gotcha. That's right. You know, and yep. you're right. You need to have a, a, a unifying mentality to go in to do what you guys did. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's funny because, you know, like I said, the, the chemistry on that team was so good. It was so good because, I mean, you got, you had guys like you, you also had another young defenseman. If I remember, uh, I believe he wore 24, maybe John Jepson. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. The defense crew on that. I mean, the whole team, I didn't play defense that year at all. I don't think, mm -hmm. but just the defenseman. Um, yeah. I mean, who was the, uh, uh, uh Rob Kurt, Rob yeah. Kurt, you know, he went into the military after that, I believe. Yep. Um, he, he tried out for, he, yeah, he tried out for some minor pro teams and things like that, but you know, he would drop the gloves. I mean, this guy was six, two plus, uh, just like Brad Coombe. Uh, but yeah, the defense group was, was amazing that year. And, you know, if some younger kids hear this, that team and you know what, what you, you could take away from that team is <laughs> there's a lot of things, but um, we never had our own locker room. We, we were in a youth rink. We had to carry our bags to the rink. Um, and then the other big thing, like, like nowadays, everybody has their own locker room. Uh, I know the Toledo Cherokee now do. Um, and the other big thing that some people would kind of laugh at was the music before the game. I don't think we ever listen to music before the game. Did that have something to do with the chemistry of the team? I would say absolutely. Did, were we always talking hockey? No, but boy, the guy next to you and the guy across the room, you'd be talking. You're not listening to the music and you can't hear yourself think. So when I see teams now listening to music before the games, it kind of makes me smile and go, why don't you turn the music off and talk to the people in the locker room? I agree with you there, man. That's, I mean, you know, I understand the purpose of it is to try, you know, they believe that it pumps them up and gets them going, you know, for the game and stuff, thinking about the game individually. But yeah, the, the, the crosstalk and stuff during, during that time, you know, when you're all together, you know, cause usually when you're broken up into your little groups, when you're off the ice and stuff and you talk, that's one thing, but to talk as a team across the locker room to each other, I, I think that's becoming a lost art, you know, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so I know you always ask, uh, you know, your first goal, but again, yeah. back then, Back then, like, I don't remember us getting the puck for guys in their first goal. Like, that was just I, – I don't remember it, 
I can tell you from this stat sheet, and I just looked at this the other day for the first time in 20-some years, uh, I scored in my first game in juniors. I didn't know that until I looked at this stat sheet, and then I scored in my second game uh, ever. So do I remember it? Absolutely not. Uh, over 20-some years ago, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that was a crazy, crazy year, that, uh, that championship year. Yeah, so now, uh, did you have to go through any kind of uh, like rookie initiation or anything <laughs> like that uh, when you uh, when you were there? Man, that was, you know what? I was trying to trying to remember that, and I don't really remember a lot of that going on. And I would definitely tell you, I will tell you. As I got to be the senior guy the next year, which would be uh, the 99, and then my last year, the 2000 year, did I partake in some crazy stuff? I will tell you absolutely, but but my rookie year, that national championship year, I don't remember. Um, the only thing I remember is the hair, um, and I do have a funny story about the hair. Uh, I don't know what year it was, the first or second or third year, but uh we worked at a sporting goods store and they had the, it was me. And it, that was probably my second year. Uh, I don't think that was my first year. It'd been my second year. Um, me and a couple guys worked at a sporting goods store and the management had to come together because customers thought we were like sick because of how blonde our hair was. Because back then, like nobody had, nobody had seen that, so it was very, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was interesting, and it was very funny. Me and uh, Nick Billinow was the second year. Uh, I believe he was the captain of that team that second year that I was there, which would have been '99. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was me and a guy named uh, Ashley Aragona, which he was actually my roommate. Wow. Um. Yeah, and. Uh, so he, so us three worked at the sporting goods store and uh, yeah, they, that's the only really rookie initiation that I remember uh, that I could probably talk about uh, on the air here. All the, all the other ones were done like on the bus uh, or in the locker room, those type of things. But uh, the hair thing, all dye in your hair blonde. I think we met uh, and we didn't know what we were doing. Like we had no idea what we were doing, but uh, we would meet at a house and uh, all get blonde hair uh, dyed out. I believe we met at the Robertsons, okay. Mike and Diana Robertson's house. I think there's some pictures floating around there. And uh, yeah, we would all we would all dye our hair blonde, and uh, it, it was very weird looking to say the least. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, now when you when you were able to. Uh, you know, you talk about some of this crazy stuff that you guys did. Oh, you know what? I wanted to ask you before I forget. Ashley Aragona, didn't he be? I think he was from Dallas, wasn't he? He was from Texas. Yeah. Which is kind of he's like a doctor or dentist or something now, yeah, I think. A, yeah. Yeah, he's a dentist now. And that kid could talk and talk. Yes. And talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually lived with him uh, in an apartment. I don't know if they do that now anymore, but we had an apartment. There was two apartments that year. Uh, me and a guy named Mike Pinkowski and Ashley Aragona, we were we were roommates. And, uh, yeah, that was quite the thing. Um, if 
Uh, I guess the only story there that that you might find funny is uh, we 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 ate out a lot because we didn't know how to cook, and uh, we actually let our kitchen get like out of hand, and we like never did dishes for two or three months, and (laughs) and that's kind of how like I am the way I am now. Um, Like I'm kind of like a neat freak almost. Um, so if my wife ever listens to this, now she'll know the real reason of uh, of why I like like a clean kitchen. Mm. It's because of that kind of giving me flashbacks of not cleaning the kitchen for two or three months um, was 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 pretty pretty interesting to say the least. And uh, you know the coaches used to come over to that apartment, and uh, <laughs> the crazy things that happened in an apartment with uh, some guys that are 19 years old was uh, was was pretty crazy. Um, and the, and the coaches back then, you know, um, oh, the little guy's name, help me out, the uh, Kurt Ludwig. Yeah, Luddy, yep. Ludwig, uh, he would come over. Uh, I don't think uh, Searing ever came over, but uh, probably Omi and Ludwig came over a, a few times just to check on us. And uh, the good thing about that was you had to buzz the buzzer to get in. Mm-hmm. And so we had about 60 seconds, right? Yeah. Hey, this is coach here. Okay. Uh, clean everything up. And yep. then we let them in 60 seconds later and they would come up and, uh, you know, thank goodness they never opened the closets. They kind of just looked around and uh, kind of said, how are you guys doing? And, and left. So, um, but I know we'll probably talk about coaching staff here eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Scott Searing. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, I played a lot of sports in high school. I uh, went to a, a, a pretty predominant football school here in Northern Indiana. Um, co- coached by the name of Bill Sharp. He's in the Indiana High School Hall of Fame as one of the best coaches in Indiana. Um, and, you know, I relate him to Scott Searing. These guys are just leaders. Um, you know, Scott Searing would be a guy that would never, I don't remember ever him yelling, you know, some of these guys yell at the top of their lungs. Now he was just very, he had just one liners and, you know, I just, some stories of his coming into the locker room, like before the national championship game or before the gold cup game, just some of these stories to him, just trying to get you pumped up. were just unreal. Can I remember him? No. Um, so those three coaches, only Searing and Ludwig, like they had a good grasp of, you know, like bad cop, good cop. And yeah. it was just, uh, can't say enough about, uh, about Scott Searing and, and his coaching ability to get us all on the same page. I just remember, you know, I, you talk about good cop, bad cop and, and about in the locker room, you know, national championship. The, the stories that I, I remember are, you know, I remember we were, because weren't we, I think we were down in the first period uh, in the national, yeah, and uh, and so Scott came in and, and I remember, I think it was, uh, I think it was Kelly, I think it was Mike Kellemeyer who uh, told, told this story too about, and I know a couple of the guys did, that they talked about how instead of coming in you know everyone was expecting him to come in and basically blow the roof off the place and tear him a new one you know because of the way they played in that first period and the fact that they were down and he came in there and did the exact opposite 
he was like pumping them up saying, you know, hey, you did this real well and you did that real well. We need to do this and that and the other thing. Just real super positive. And it changed, you know, everyone, kept, when he left the room, everyone was kind of like, what? And uh, yeah. it, it pumped them, you know, it was kind of like that reverse psychology. Because that's the thing with Scott. I mean, I, I've told this in other podcasts and it's, I, I still hold to it. Back then, you had three guys. You had, you had the good cop who was Todd Omi. You had the bad cop who was Bob Zion. And then you had the staff psychologist who was Scott Searings, you know, and, and the three of them, as different as they were, yep. they made that thing work. They, it was, again, chemistry. It was so strong with the, the chemistry that the three of them had. They all brought something to the table that made it work. And it, yeah. weird as it sounds, it, it, it just, it was perfect. It made it work. And they all got rings now to prove it. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, you know, you brought up another name, Bob Zion. Uh, I went through my hockey folders this weekend and I found uh, uh, the books that we used to do. And I don't know if any of your other podcasts talked about, we used to go upstairs at Tam O'Shanner, right outside the bar, if they still have that at yeah, Tam O'Shanner. It's still there. Okay. And there used to be a conference room right off that. And Zion used to run, I don't know if we did it every week, but I would say it was every month. And we would have like, it was like a school session. And I don't know if teams still do, do this, but he would hand out all kinds of stuff. And I still have it here in my folder, um, just all kinds of uh, articles. I mean, the guy was just like, just uh, a magician at finding all these articles and trying to get, all, all, all of us together on the same page was just was just amazing. And I, like I said, I don't know if teams do that anymore. Um, but you know, he was the goalie coach. Um, but he was uh, he was a guy to say uh, get down and give me ten head rolls. I don't know if that's came up oh, yeah. in any of the podcast. But um, I can tell you that I did a lot of head rolls uh, <laughs> for all three years. Um, a lot, a lot of head rolls. And, uh, and the other thing I wanted to, uh, to point out was, uh, you know, these, the, it's totally different, right? Like juniors now is not juniors back then. Um, you know, in, in the central States back then, I believe there were six teams, you know, or seven teams and we played each other five, six times. You know, we went to St. Louis once we flew to St. Louis back then. Oh, and, and that was a riot. That's a whole nother chapter of a book. Um, and then we always started <laughs> off in we always started off in Essex, Ontario back then. That was our first game. And that was to see who was a man or a, a big boy. Because when you went up there, I don't know how many fights there was, but it was to see who was who and who would kind of make the Cherokee team. And boy, that was very eye-opening uh for me i remember uh that big time and then i remember all, always the uh the uh the good games with columbus you know columbus was kind of a rivalry after that first year uh they always had uh, the better players and we always had a good rivalries with them yeah um i just remember too you know you talk about you know the uh going to essex and and playing to start things and stuff um how I don't know. You said you had like maybe two fights that first year, and, and even in subsequent years, you didn't really fight much. 
who were the uh who were the guys that um i mean you talked about rob kurt in that first year and stuff and we i know we know like brad coom and all those other guys you know scott williamson uh took no crap off anybody and uh you know uh of course, Jeppy was just a baby back then, but he still was tough as nails. Um, but yep. who were some of the guys in the second and third year you played uh, that were yep. that were tough guys that weren't uh, weren't afraid to you know uh, drop the mitts? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I, I listened to another podcast of Max Howell. I think you had him on here. Ooh, uh, yeah. He had <laughs> he had mentioned uh, my name in, in his podcast, so. Uh, I think it was he had mentioned uh, something about training camp that I had said to him after he dropped the gloves at training camp. But, uh, you know, he was he was a tough, tough customer. Um, so that second year, I started playing defense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Nick Villanau was the captain that year. And he was a great, great defenseman there. You had Brad Krolak. Another great, great defenseman. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you had the the, uh, the kid from Norway. Yeah, uh, John Ramon, uh, another good defenseman. Uh, and then probably the fight leader that year, which ended up being my partner, which was very, very funny, uh, was Casey Welch. Yeah. And wow, was he, uh, he was definitely a, uh, a hard nosed dude. Um, and then some of the forwards that year, uh, Jeremy Labanca, did I say oh, it? Jer no, Jeremy Labianca. Everyone called him Bianca. Yep. Except, oh, for, except for yeah. Uh, Omi, Omi would call him loudmouth Labianca. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe he was the one that I heard on the, your podcast that was talking about me in uh, at the uh, training camp. But uh, uh, Scott Cosentine, Scott Johnson, uh, and then uh, John Freeman as as a forward. You know Freeman. I don't know if this has came up. I think you had him on your podcast. Yes. But uh, he did he talk about uh, the warm-up fight? The one against Columbus? Columbus. Did he talk to you about that? Uh, well, we I know we talked about uh, a couple different things. Uh, but I know, like, I know Omi talked about it, you know, when uh, there was no officials on the ice and – things things kind of got out of hand and next thing you know it's it's a it's a full blown brawl and you know fine suspensions yeah. and everything else yeah i don't remember the whole thing i remember being on the ice you know john freeman all six six you know 225 of him uh we're playing columbus so that's that's the second year 99 and it was kind of like in slap shot yeah freeman comes across the middle and kind of kind of cross checks somebody and here comes everybody to the middle the refs aren't even on the ice they're coming on like in their skates like half tied um so that was uh that was quite something um that's kind of what i remember that second year uh that second year we uh 99 we made it to nationals and then uh i think we didn't even make it to the semis if i don't remember that yeah. that second year yeah and and you know john freeman and you talked about max yeah. howell earlier uh, the pride of Kansas City, um, the the, yep. the fight he had in, in camp, in training camp, was uh, against John Freeman. He said that, okay. he goes, the first time I, I fought, he goes, uh, you know, people were, you know, I heard people tell me that I was a tough dude and this stuff. He goes, but he goes, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, I, I went to that fight when I looked up and got challenged and I turned around, 
drop the gloves and look. And I kept, I had to look up and look up. And <laughs> all, all I see is this big six, five, six, six guy. Uh, and I'm going, and he goes, I'll be honest. He said, I did all right in the fight. He said, but I was scared out of my ever loving mind. He said, I was, I was shaking. He said, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't let anyone know. He said, but I, I was shaking in my boots. He said, I was scared, but he made a good accounting of himself in the fight and the two became friends. And you know that, but that's uh, the big man from Alaska, John Freeman for you. You know, it's, I, exactly. I, think, I yep. think it's great, you know, but now in the, yep. uh, now so who are some of the guys that were, you know, you talk about, you know, some of the crazy stunts you guys pulled and you're when you as you got older with the second and third years, uh, who are some of the guys like in that second year that you if you remember uh, that were kind of uh, pretty wacky and that like to mess around, you know, like on the bus or in the hotel room or, you know, wherever you guys played in the locker room too, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, did you guys have a lot of that go on when you played? Yeah, I, I mean, all these guys, all these guys were wacky, uh, for sure. Um, you know, we haven't talked about Derek Stum at all, but what uh, <laughs> was what uh, was here? Character uh, Scott Cosentine and Scott Johnson. Those probably those two other guys were probably the uh, the kind of the class clowns. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stum, he was just always causing some kind of ruckus. And then, uh, you know, uh, Ferenc, if however you say it there, uh, being from, uh, Ferenc being from Hungary, he would always put his, uh, his spin on any, everything. Um, when we did fly, I don't think we flew after that first national championship year, but you know, we would, we would tie a, a dollar bill to a, a fishing line at the airport um just all kinds of crazy stuff that we would do walking around or taking the taking the bus to to wherever we had to go um yeah just really really good times that uh that national championship year you know we, they flew us out to los angeles for the uh, national championship my uh, my whole family actually got to go to that um uh, which kind of made it like a family vacation um i know you've talked about you know uh the internet dial-up back then for the national <laughs> championship game. And, uh, I mean, it was just totally, totally different times, uh, back then, but yeah, we had, we had a ton of characters, um, which leads, leads into that third year, which would have been my, which would have been my final season. And, you know, the, the first year we won it all the second year we got fifth. And so coming back for a third season, I'm like, let's just, uh, let's just finish this out. Um, before that third year started, um i knew that refereeing was something that i really liked to do and i went to some uh some some camps for officiating mm -hmm. and uh the head guy there named dan monticelli uh, yeah mono yep. which actually our games. yeah with mono back then actually refed our games so he came to ref camp and said uh, hey if you when you get done playing you want to ref just let me know um, so that leads me into this third season. Um, a lot of us guys came back, right? Bill and Al came back. Uh, Larry Bryant, I think he came back. Meisner's back. Uh, Krolak's back. A lot of these guys came back for another season, my, my third season. And, uh, boy, there were some characters on that, that third season. Uh, probably the heavyweight fighter on the team was uh, Peter Darlis. <laughs> 
and uh, good old Dotus. Yeah, he definitely, uh, he definitely would would not uh, back down from anybody anybody out there. Um, and then you know, speaking of Jepson, then that year we get uh, his brother, yeah, little Jeff, Jeff Jepson that was five five and uh, 120 pounds soaking wet so um and then this season this season uh the third season was uh, was just mediocre at best um i remember getting injured going knee to knee with a guy into uh some of the last games and uh and i try uh, the last game in the in the, in the tournament Mm-hmm. Coaches said, yeah, you know, you want to play, you want to not play. You know, they say, we'll win this game. We'll play another game in the, in the tournament, in the Gold Cup. And uh, I said, yeah, let me play. Me was just on fire the whole game. And uh, that ended up, we ended up losing. And that ended up being my last junior game of my career. So thank goodness I, I played that, that last game. Uh, still have some knee problems here and there. But, uh, you know, after that, that started the referee career. Um, that I went on to have, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about. So, so now tell me, uh, I, I want to throw a few names out that you mentioned. We t- kind of talked about them a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit more about them a little bit. Some of those guys, because it takes me back. I mean, you talked about the guy called Crow, uh, Brad Krolak. Uh, that guy, uh, Chicago boy, you know, um, he, I, 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 I never grew to appreciate back then what he did and the way he played. Uh, it was later that I really came to appreciate what he did. He was one of those guys that was, um, again, not the, not the flashiest guy in the pan, but was able to do a lot of things really well. And, of course, uh, you know, just a, just a good, solid kid who, you know, he was just fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the funny thing is, a lot of these guys went on, uh, Krolak, Bilinow, um, Rico Day, they went on to play at the University of Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, after this year, I started in a, a thing called the Junior Developmental Program, um, it's now called something different, but, uh, and the beginning ranks of that start off in the juniors and college club. So I ended up refing these guys at Ohio university, something wow. somebody doesn't know. Uh, this would never happen in today's world. Um, so now I'm calling penalties in front of 2000 people packed house at, uh, in Athens at Ohio university. And I'm calling penalties on Krolak and Villanau. Um, so that was kind of that's kind of the start of the referee career for me right after playing juniors. Um, you know, I started refing in the same junior league as I played in. Wow. And that probably never happened nowadays. That was that was probably one of the toughest things in my refereeing career was doing that uh because you know they're going to be yelling everything you know hey toledo they always used to call me come on toledo um and like it just really got it it got under my skin a little bit but you know you learn to uh to deal with that being being an official so yeah you have to uh now my gosh that had to be weird i mean did uh when you would ref games like that like in in athens and stuff did you did they give you a lot of crap, like, 
you know, as far as, you know, obviously they're going to give you crap no matter what, because you're a referee, but how hard was it for you? If, if like guys that you played with, whether you played with them or against them uh, that were in the, in, in the club circuit, how hard was that for you as far as, you know, if they chirped you and you knew them from your time in, in juniors? It, you know, people, it, it's tough because things were different back then, but I didn't even, it didn't even bother me. You know, like you see a penalty, you call it. Um, it's a little different back then because of the standard, right? There was really not a lot of standard back then. So I was a ref that, you know, I, I like to let them play a little bit. Um, so it, it, it didn't, it, I didn't let them get away with anything more than anybody else back then. Um, and that was a good uh, stepping stone for me. Um, and I don't know if we'll talk about what, what levels I got to, but that was definitely the, uh, the grassroots and then, uh, start, I, I worked my way up, uh, the next couple of years into the North American league. Um, and then from the North American League into the USHL, a uh, guy by the name of Scott Brand uh, ran the officials. Yep. Uh, super great guy. I don't have any uh, anything bad to say about Scott. He, uh, he definitely got me into uh, the levels um, that, uh, that, I, that I ended up doing. Um, ended up going full-time into refing and um, did 142 games in one season, which was quite a lot. Um, that was my last full-time season in juniors. And, uh, so what they do there is they, they put you in all the different leagues to see which one you want to do the next year or get picked up. So, uh, ended up doing the Western hockey league, which is major junior in Canada, uh, ended up doing, which was the central league, which was the United league. Um, and then the East coast hockey league, my final years of juniors, um, and really basically was on a plane or in a car or on a train from, I mean, every day of the week. And, uh, it was, it was great. Um, the United hockey league was, uh, kind of the bruiser league. The central league was down in Texas. It was, uh, it was kind of a bruiser league. And then you had, you know, the East coast hockey league. So, um, so then that next year I decided to, uh, to get picked up by the East coast hockey league. And that was, uh, that was the final season. Uh, did, uh, 90 some games that year and, uh, did a couple playoff games. And, uh, by the time you're 27, 28, 29 in refereeing, uh, they say you either have it or you don't. Um, and my, some of my roommates that uh, I live with refing, some of those guys ended up making it. And, uh, you know, I said, I uh, got a letter that said my uh, services are no longer needed. And uh, it was a great, great career. Uh, I was about nine seasons long uh, from 21 to, say, 29. Got to see all parts of the country. Uh, I got to go into Canada, uh, coast to coast, uh, border to border. And uh, couldn't have done it uh, without my parents, obviously. And uh, it was a great, great thing to do when you were, uh, you know, I wasn't married, didn't have kids. You'd have to do it like that. And uh, I wouldn't take it back for anything. And you know what? You know, this is a hockey podcast, um, but, you know, the, the the coaching staff of the Cherokee to get me to be the man that I was, uh, I couldn't have done it without them. You know, all, all the all the all of the uh, all the staff, you know, from uh, Doc McCarthy 
to Chuck LeMay, to the Renegers, uh, just everybody. Uh, you know, it all started with uh, Doc McCarthy, yep. you know, and, and the money and the, everything that he had put down for the organization was just uh, was just top notch. Um, yeah, no, no regrets for me at all in, in Toledo. Yeah, no question about it. Now, um, do you see yourself maybe eventually uh, getting back in the game, like coaching, uh, getting into doing uh, more stuff uh, at a local level, maybe? Yeah, so Mick, so uh, I live in uh, I live in Mishawaka right now, which is just a, a little town uh, right next to South Bend. And uh, I am actually in charge of all the officials. I'm the referee in chief here locally. Um, and I and I still do ref, um, just not full time like I used to. I still do some college club, uh, some Division three, and some minor pro just uh, when I have time. Uh, I have a little one, a wife, and a family now. And uh, yeah, my little one's getting ready to start skating, so I, I do see myself probably getting into some kind of coaching. Yeah. Um, but but uh, but refereeing is is definitely definitely the passion. Uh, I just love being out there, involved in the game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely coaching will probably be in, in the future with the little one, uh, getting on the ice. Yeah, no question about it. And that's, you know, I mean, that's usually the way you, you know, it's also a way to give back to the game that gave you a lot, you know, is to be able to, you know, help the next, the future of, of, you know, of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I try to give back, back as much as I can in, in the refereeing world. I teach seminars. I'll teach teach uh, teach refs. Uh, you know, pretty much everything that I learned, uh, and that's what we were told as we were coming up was, you know, if you ever get a chance to give back, try to give back as much as you can. And uh, I've tried I tried to do that at, at any cost. Yep, no question. Now, um, you know, I, I I tell me about how big, because I remember. Uh, tell me about how big of an impact it was to have your family there you know, going through all of this, they were there, uh, you know, your dad, I can remember him so well because he used to sit right by me when I do the games, you know, him and your mom, God bless her souls. I mean, just great people. And, um, you know, your sister, I can remember her coming to some games and, and stuff, but I mean, your family, they were one of many that were road warriors, you know, they, they went to all the games home and away. And they they went out and saw you and uh, for better or for worse, they were there and saw you through it all. And tell me how important that was for you. Man, you got me a little choked up, Mick, here. I'm not uh, not one to get choked up. But uh, but yeah, man, uh, my parents. Wow. Uh, from from the time uh, growing up to taking me to the rink to, to everything, it was uh, it was it was amazing. I just great experience, uh, great memories. You know, like I said, they came out to, uh, to California. Uh, we had a family vacation. Uh, my parents came to every game. I can remember, uh, my mom and dad getting caught off the side of the road in a snowstorm. They went off the side of the road in a, in a ditch coming to a game, you know, like they would come that two hour trip to Toledo from uh, the South Bend area for every single game. Uh, that was just, that was huge for me. Um, coming from a little town in Indiana, you know, to a, to a great organization in Toledo. That was just uh, huge. Um, yeah, no, uh, I owe everything to my parents. You know, that was, uh, uh, it was great. Yeah, no question about it. You know, and like I said, 
I just remember, you know, I'd sit there and your dad had the best sense of humor. I mean, he did. We would sit there and I could, I'd, he'd, in between periods, you know, I'd go, he'd walk over and, you know, we'd start, you know, he'd start chirping some stuff and I'd just sit there and just laugh. I mean, he just, he just, like I said, he just had the best sense of humor and stuff. And I remember him uh, trying to remember what he, he I mean, he would, uh, you know, he, I mean, he had a booming voice, if I remember correctly, you know, and, and he, would, oh, yeah. he, he wasn't afraid every now and then to let it be heard across the ice and stuff. And yeah. he, he just, like I said, you yep. could hear him and he just cracked me up. And then your your mom, I remember her dearly. You know, she was always the, you know, she was always the more quiet one, uh, more the, you know, she's very, very, um, very sweet. Uh, I loved her to pieces. And, uh, you know, your sister was really cool to me, too. She was always nice. And, it, it, I, you know, like I said, I just remember, like I said, every time I seen your mom, she always had a smile on her face. And, you know, um, dearly missed and we you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be it wouldn't be as as much fun i always knew when i seen your mom and your dad that everything was all right in the world you know it was like you know it was a road game it's like oh crap we got to do this and whatever and it's like or what you know and it'd be like oh well there's the fishes okay you know it's like it it, it always it was always a, a, a balance there a centering balance if i saw them if I saw the Robertsons or when I saw the Renegers, you know, I was like, okay, we're good. Everything's good. You know, and that's that they were just an important part of the, of the, of yeah. the legacy that is Cherokee hockey. You know, of course that guy that wore number seven was pretty good too. Yeah, I agree, Mick. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good run. You know, I mean, same for you. You know, we always said, you know, if Mick was there, uh, we got to talk to you, you know, if somebody, yeah, we were having a bad day, we got to talk to you and, uh, you know, our frown would turn upside down. So it was, it was the same. It was, uh, it was different times back then. And uh, yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was a good run for sure. Yeah, no question. So let me ask you, we'll get ready to wind this up here in a little bit. Um, tell me, you know, what was, uh, what was some of the more, I don't know, what would you say was probably more some of the more uh, impactful people? You know, you talk about the coaches. Uh, I mean, I think about all of them, you know. I mean, we talked about Bob and Todd and Scott. And, of course, uh, we had Luddy in there and Mike Witten. Uh, just different, different guys that were in there that wrote that were in that era that were a part of this team. And, uh, you know, that really, I mean, a couple, you know, like I said, the, the, and we go back to chemistry. We go back to chemistry because a lot of that will impact what kind of experience you have at, at when you're playing juniors, okay? Good or bad, it, a lot of that chemistry is going to dictate what your attitude is, what your, uh, the way you approach the game, the way you feel about the game, and you feel about people in general, let alone your teammates. Um but talk about, tell me about how much that played a part in not only your playing time, but in developing your passion to officiate. How important was, uh, you know, those were those things to help ignite that fire in you that said, hey, I want to I want to wear the stripes. 
Yeah, you know, that's very true. Um, I, like I said, I can't I can't stress enough the coaching staff. I mean, Omi's been there forever. Um, you know, he was he was kind of the hard nosed blue collar. You know, get your nose dirty. Um, and you know, and then you know Ludwig, he was kind of the the quiet type. Uh, he was more of the white collar. You know, so it was. Uh, and then you know, just going back to Scott Searing being probably one of the best coaches of, of any sport that I've ever had. Um, so all these guys, you know, lead us into our young adulthood uh, as, as growing into men. And they all had an in- integral part of, of that with, with all of us. And so, so yeah, that did get me onto, you know, into the refereeing. And yeah, it absolutely helped, right? Uh, all this stuff that I talked about um, helped me get into officiating. Um, and, and just all the people along the way, like, like I had mentioned, you know, the McCarthy's, the LeMay's, the Renegers, uh, the Robertson's. I mean, just everybody back then. I mean, everybody was just top notch. Um, you know, McCarthy for for buying us national championship rings. They you know he didn't have to do that. I'm sure that came out of his pocket, um, which I still have to this day. Um, so I mean, all those back then, uh, my refereeing career. I mean, everything, everything was everything in my life has been uh, has been great. Uh, my wife, uh, my wife now, my my little my little guy. Uh, everything's been uh, everything's been good in the world. Hey, nothing wrong with that. So uh, tell me, uh, before we go, tell me a couple of stories of life on the road as an official. Well, okay. Well, that, that came abrupt. Well, I, you know, there's, there's two linesmen and a referee. Uh, they figured out at a, at a young age for me that line, I was not a linesman um for for one reason or another so uh they said you're a referee fish and i said okay let's go uh, that was monticelli back then you know uh he said you know you're gonna ref you're not gonna be a linesman I said okay whatever you wherever you want me um so life on the road uh as a referee it, it's very lonely i will give you that right linesmen usually travel together uh back then i traveled alone um, so a lot of hotel rooms, a lot of traveling after games and it's, and it's all alone, right? You travel to the next city, you stay there till the game. Uh, you try to find a bite to eat, maybe you hit the gym. Um, you try to stay in good shape. You're on the ice for the whole time. Unlike the players, um, you know, there's only five people on the ice the whole time. the three officials and the two goalies. So you try to stay in fairly good shape. I was in pretty good shape back then in my twenties. And uh, so life on the road, there's a lot of stories, Mick, that uh, we could talk about off the air, but it was, uh, it was a crazy, crazy journey, traveling from different city to different city, trying to sightsee a little bit, right? But you don't want to, you don't want to get too tired before the game, try to take, uh, you know, a, a nap in the afternoon and then get ready for the, for the game at night. Um, the people that I met along the way in officiating, just like the people I met in Toledo, uh, just unbelievable people. I mean, the hockey community is so small and the people that you meet from city to city is just, uh, is just amazing. Okay. What was your, where were your favorite places to officiate? Oh, that's a great question, Mick. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to say. Uh, I would have to go back to the USHL days, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, 
being one that just it, it just blow your socks off if you ever get to watch a game in like Lincoln, Nebraska, Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, great, great facility there. Um, you know, uh, in the pros uh, back in the day, you know, a city like Rockford, Illinois was in the United Hockey League back then. Now they're in the American Hockey League. Uh, Quad Cities I ref a lot in. Uh, and then the cities of Texas, some of those cra crazy to believe Texas, they love their hockey down there. Mm -hmm. um, it's, just, uh, it's just crazy. Uh, probably the craziest league I ever did was, was the Western Hockey League, which is, like I said earlier, which is uh, major junior in Canada on the West Coast over there. Um, cities like uh, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle. Now Seattle's getting an NHL team. Back then it was juniors. That's a different beast over there. Uh, us in uh, us in, over here in the Midwest, we don't really know. Like that is different hockey over there. A lot of those guys go right out of major junior into the NHL. Um, so it's a lot of great cities along the way. Uh, a lot of great crowds uh, back then. You know the chance they used to come up with uh, with you know my name on my back would say fish on my back and the, the chance they would get started. And uh, it was great, man. It was uh, something I'll never forget in my life. Yeah, I don't blame you there. Well, uh, before <laughs> we wind her up here, um, would you, who would you, what would you say is, aside from the national championship, uh, whether it was as a player or as a referee, what was the like greatest memory you have in hockey aside from the national championship oh boy that's another good question in any of my uh, the greatest wow that's that's tough man i would have to say winning the national that you can't say not that right like mm -hmm. um i remember that that night we all got together for pizza we were drinking out of the cup um we had some stogies we were smoking uh I mean, it was just amazing after that, right? Um, uh, I guess the next memory that I remember was, like I said, I came from a, a football school and they weren't happy that I had left to go play hockey. This was my senior year. Uh, I came back and graduated at a school called Jimtown High School and they had ended up winning the state football championship. Wow. And so I had came back in April or whatever, after, right after nationals. And I wore my national championship gold uh, thing around your neck, the medal. Um, the medal, to school that next day. Um, and I think my parents had maybe sent flowers, or not flowers, but uh, balloons to school. And the other guys that played football there were like, oh, what do you think you are? I go, I won a national championship. I didn't win a state championship. You guys try to play all the best teams in the country and see how you do. Um, wow. So then I, I ended up graduating that, that year from school. And, uh, and a lot of people were not happy uh, that I went away to play hockey. Um, but like I said about an hour ago, the two best coaches I ever had in my life were a guy named Bill Sharp and, and Scott Searing. This Bill Sharp uh, was the football coach for, for Jimtown, and he said, you know, do what you think 
is right for you, whether it's leave to go play hockey or stay here to play football. So he actually understood me and he ended up being, again, one of the best two coaches in, in anything that I ever played. So that's pretty darn awesome. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's finish here with this then. Uh, I always finish this, the podcast the same way. And that is um, to uh, allow, to have you, whatever you want to say to Cherokee nation, you know, the, the, the fans, the current players, alumni players, coaches, you name it, they all listen. And we're grateful for that. And um, just a chance for you to, you know, say whatever's on your mind as far as in regards to addressing the Toledo Cherokee faithful. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Mick. Uh, I, I think I've already said it all um, that that the years I was there probably produced the man that I am today. Um, obviously, the coaching staff had a big, big deal in that. Uh, Scott Searing, um, love you to death. Um, he was he had the most integral part of that. Um, and then the other coaching staff, other coaching staff, Omi um love lo love all these guys to death ludwig and and witten there towards the end of my career there and then uh from from the back office you know from the mccarthy's to the lemays to the renegers um and then to the housing staffs at the houses that i stayed in everybody uh top notch i would say probably the best junior program in the country i could say that pretty uh pretty heartingly because i've been to a lot of these different cities in my refereeing career and uh and it's just uh, just a class act there um i think they still hang the national championship banner i i need to get over there and see that and take my uh, family to see that uh hopefully there's an alumni skate or, or something coming up in the near future i'd love to get out there to one of those yep. um and and mick you along the way um just uh, just a class act and keep doing what you're doing here. This is awesome. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everything that has Toledo has done for me uh, to, uh, to make the, uh, the man that I am. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it took, I took a young kid to uh, buy in, you know, uh, that, that, that young boy from Elkhart, Indiana, who bought in to even, even if it meant not always getting on the dress list or not always, getting the playing time he wanted but still bought in and fought for everything he had and was willing to help others get there along the way and he wore number seven and is not only a national champion but uh just a a pretty pretty doggone good dude uh that uh, has done a lot of good for not only the game of hockey but in life so my brother i thank you for doing this and uh hey you know uh we will talk again it won't be so long i promise because uh like i said you're you're you, we've always got that link of a national championship but you know not only that but the fact that you know you're just a flat out good guy and you need we need to we need to chat more and i promise you that we're gonna when all whenever we get to whatever normal is here uh in, in this uh world uh, we are going to have a reunion, and that will involve an alumni game, I'm sure. So uh, we will have that done because I want us to all get together and 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 watch the current Cherokee play, watch a game, and have a couple of Diet Dr. Peppers or whatever, and uh, and and throw that throw those down while we're watching a game and telling tales and laughing our butts silly. 
because we're I, I want them to hear us laughing so hard they're gonna like they're gonna look and go what's going on man they should be watching the game you know and, and we'll be you know, <laughs> we'll be we'll be giving each other so much crap but that's what it is man that's what it's about so yep. uh, but thank you for doing this and uh you know we'll we'll talk again i'm sure so thanks all right thanks mick take care yep you too this has been episode 103 of the cherokee rewind thanks to adam fish for doing this don't forget please subscribe and you can uh subscribe to any platform that uh, you download your uh, podcast from and just put in cherokee rewind and subscribe and every time a new episode drops it will let you know so for number seven adam fish i am mick saying so long we'll catch you next time right here on the cherokee rewind